Welcome to the Church of Rocky Peaks downloadable messages and podcast. Well, good morning. How are you today? Good. Well, my name is Joel and I'm one of the pastors here at Rocky Peak, but I'm not supposed to be here today. Got a call from Mike earlier in the week and he says, hey, I think I'm getting sick. Get ready. You may need to step up and pinch hit for me. And so all week we were texting back and forth and every day I'd be like, how you doing today? And he'd be like, hey, I'm getting worse, but don't worry because he's optimistic. And so finally the call came Friday and he says, hey, you're up. And I said, okay, great. What were you going to talk about? And he says, it's about Christmas. And so I said, okay, so what should I talk about? And said, something about Christmas might be good. So all right, I think, I think we can figure this out. So we're going to talk about something about Christmas today. So if you want to get your programs out, inside you'll find a blank piece of paper, and we will try to figure out together if we have anything worth writing down on that. Before we jump in, uh, let's pray, because I know I need it. <laughs> so you pray with me. Father, here we are just wanting to understand more about who you are and who we are in light of that. And so today, as we take a look at one of the more famous stories in the Christmas story, would you meet with us and maybe for the first time make us more aware of what Christmas is all about? And so I just ask that you be with me, that you just give me clarity of thought and communicate clearly today so that what you want comes across clearly. And Lord, this is about you and we're here to learn about you. And so we give ourselves to you in this time and we just want to say thank you that we can celebrate Christmas because of what you have done for us. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you're anything like me, but growing up as a kid, I was so familiar with Christmas. And I remember every year, I couldn't wait till we get all of our Christmas decorations out of their boxes. And I especially loved putting together the nativity figurine set. Like, how many of you grew up having a nativity set of some form or another? Yeah, and so as a little kid with a wild imagination, I had so much fun putting this thing together because I would tell this epic story. And every year what would happen is one of the wise men was coming and he would steal baby Jesus and then they'd, they'd run off and then I had to get the, the shepherds getting in on the act and they would go in covert black op style and they would rescue baby Jesus and sometimes the angel would get mixed into all of this and so it was just this epic thing and so for me I had so much fun with that nativity set. But here's the interesting thing for so many of us, I think we've grown up with our familiar traditions of Christmas and so we're very familiar with Christmas so much so that we can oftentimes miss the significance of Christmas. And certain traditions that we have, even things like our nativity set, they actually confuse the story more than they can even help it. Because the nativity, as we typically have it, isn't even accurate. Because here you have this nativity and you have the angel and, and the shepherds showing up there. And that's not where that happened. That was out in the fields at night, right? And then you have the wise men showing up. That didn't happen the first Christmas. They came later. And yet we have all these traditions that make us get so familiar with Christmas we can actually miss out on what it's all about. And so if we miss out on understanding what Christmas is about, it's a big mistake. And so God has this story in Luke chapter 2 that we're going to take a look at where he is making the epic announcement about the birth of his son. And so it's a story that's probably familiar to many of us. Shepherds out in their fields at night and the angel shows up with this epic announcement. And yet what I want us to do today is pay attention to this announcement because if we don't get this, we don't get Christmas. And if we miss Christmas, we're going to wake up and it's going to be January and we're in a whole new year missing out on the reality of what it is we're celebrating this season. And so it's important that we understand this announcement because if you've ever missed an important announcement, it can really ruin your day. 
A few years ago, my cousin and I were flying back from the East Coast to the West Coast. We had gotten a red-eye flight, and so we were showing up at the airport. We got checked in, and we're waiting for the flight, so we jump into the, the airport bar. We're having dinner, watching a game on TV, just chatting it up, and the whole time we're in there, they're making these announcements like they do at airports. You just hear it all the time, and so we just kind of tune it out. Well, suddenly we check, and we're like, hey, we should probably go check in, and so we go and show up, and the stewardess is very upset with us because apparently the plane has been waiting for about five minutes to leave, and they've been calling us on the PA, hey, Mr. Enyart, Mr. DuPont, you're idiots, get here now. And we had just missed it. And the two guys that were so excited that they were going to get seats on the flight were just giving us the eye, right? And so we almost missed our flight because we missed the significance of the announcements that were being given. And so my hope as we take a look today, as we look at this story, I don't want us to miss the significance of Christmas. And so I want to point out a couple of things as we get into this together. So get your Bibles open to Luke chapter 2. We're going to take a look at this all-too-familiar story and hopefully see some things that are important for us as we go into Christmas season together. And so in Luke chapter 2, this is what we read. We're going to read verses 1 through 20 together. Luke chapter 2, it says this, verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his hometown to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married with him, married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Right, and so this is the familiar story of the birth of Jesus. And so it's this young couple journeying, arriving too late to find any place to stay. And so most likely staying in some kind of a barn because there was no room in the inn. And so here's the epic birth of the Son of God wrapped in clothes, lying in the manger. And so the Son of God has been born and God wants to come and announce this great thing to the world. And so this is what we see in the following verses. In verse 8, we read this. And there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. And you've got to remember, we, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. Mike was sharing this. Whenever angels show up in the Bible, people are freaked out because the angels in the Bible are not the angels on our Hallmark cards, right? They're not these chubby little babies in diapers, They're these epic warriors of God. And so when an angel shows up, it's typically for one of two reasons. He either has a message for a prophet to give to the people, or he's taking you out. And so these shepherds are terrified because they realize they aren't prophets. And so it's like, oh no, he's come. They found out about this thing we did. We're done, right? So they're freaking out. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And remember the other thing that we were learning a couple weeks ago is that Christ is not the last name of Joseph and Mary. Christ is the Greek word, it's the title for Messiah. And so what the angel is saying is, hey, the Messiah has come. The promised one of long ago has been born this night. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, 
glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And so that's the story of when God makes his epic announcement about the birth of his son. And again, I think it's a very familiar story, but there, there's some significant things for us to understand about this that if we don't get, we will actually miss what Christmas is all about. And so I'd like to point out a few things as we look through the story. Here's the first thing I want us to make sure that we understand is what this actual announcement is and what this announcement means. And so let's go back and look at what the angel tells the shepherds in verse 10. So the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. And so this announcement that the angel proclaims is this announcement of good news of great joy. So what is this good news of great joy? Well, he goes on to tell them that a Savior has been born. And so the good news of great joy is that a Savior has come. Well, then who is this Savior? The angel tells us that he is Christ the Lord. He is the promised one. He is the Messiah The good news of great joy of Christmas is that the King has come, and He has come for us. And to help us understand what does that mean for us, the angels bust out, all of heaven erupts in singing and glorious wonder. And in verse 14, this is what the angels say to help us understand what all this means. A couple of things to point out here. The first thing they say is, glory to God in the highest. And so the first thing for us to understand that Christmas means, this announcement, this this good news of great joy, is that though Christmas is for us, it is not about us. Because who do they say? Glory to who? Glory to God in the highest. That this announcement, this good news of great joy, is about God's glory. It's not about us. And I don't know if you make this mistake of ever doing the same thing I do, but do you ever make Christmas about you? Right? Like, here's my list, and here's the things that I want, and if I don't get the things on my list, man, I am bent, and Christmas is not a good year, right? Or here's my holiday traditions, or here's the way I want it to happen, and I hope that Uncle so-and-so doesn't show up this year, because that's going to ruin Christmas for me, right? We make Christmas all about us, and yet the thing that we need to understand is that Christmas is not about us. It's about God, and it's about His glory, and it is for us, but it's not about us. And here's the second thing to understand what the angels declare here about what this means, this good news of great joy. So he says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. What Christmas means, what this good news of great joy is all about, is that God has come to give us peace on earth. And we are a world in desperate need of peace, are we not? I mean, if you have any doubt about that, just look at the tragic events that took place this past Friday. We are a world in desperate need of peace. And the good news of great joy is that our King has come for us, and He's come to bring us peace. And yet here's the interesting thing about good news. You won't understand what good news is all about unless you understand why you need that good news, right? 
And so the angels say, hey, good news of great joy. A Savior has come for you. What's the implication of a Savior coming for you? What does that mean that you need? You need saving, right? And yet, if you don't get that, if you don't understand your need for rescue, Christmas doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you. It would be like this, if you're standing along the street, waiting across the street, and someone runs up to you and says, hey, I'll save you, and then they jump out in front of a bus and get mowed over. You're going to be like, thank you? Like, that won't make a whole lot of sense. But if you're the one crossing the street, and someone runs up behind you and shoves you out of the way, and the bus mows them down, you get it, don't you? You understand your need for rescue in that moment. And so the amazing thing about what Christmas means is that every single one of us in this world needs rescue. And our king, king has come for us to give us what we do not have apart from him, to give us peace, to give us peace with God, to whom we have made him an enemy by the lives we've chosen to live. And to help us understand this, keep your finger in Luke 2. We're going to come back here. But I want you to flip to the right a few books to the book of Romans. And I want you to see something that Paul writes about this there to the, to the Christians in the first century, about this idea, about what Jesus is all about. Go to Romans chapter 5, and let's read this together. And once you get in chapter 5, jump up into chapter 4. And I just want to start at the end of chapter 4, verse 25. And then we'll read into chapter 5. So in Romans 4, verse 25, this is what Paul writes. He says, he, talking about Jesus, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. And so in this one verse, Paul helps us understand what Jesus is all about, that he came for us to pay the price for us, for our moral failure, for our sins. He went to the cross to pay the price for us. And then when he came back from the dead, he demonstrated that he had the right to do this. And so Paul says that this was for our justification. And that's a a fancy word that simply means to be declared not guilty, to be made right in God's eyes. And so what Jesus has done for us is he has made us right in our relationship with God once again. That he took upon himself the penalty for our failure. And so we have a legal standing in the eyes of heaven now where though we were guilty because of what Jesus has done for us, we're now justified. We now stand not guilty before a holy, perfect God. And because of Jesus, we have something we didn't have before he came. We have peace. And so look at what Paul says about this going deeper into Romans chapter 5 now. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, faith through trusting in what he has done for us we have what peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and so men and women the good news of great joy is that because of the king coming for you you can now have peace on earth with God that's why it is good news of great joy And so he goes on, he says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then he talks a little bit about what we may experience in life as followers of Jesus, but we're not beyond God's love despite the hardships. So he says, not only so, but we also rejoice or glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom whom he has given us. And then look at what he says next, verse 6. He writes, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. 
Now notice the indictment Paul makes against the human race as he includes himself in that very indictment. He says that once upon a time without Jesus, we were powerless. We could do nothing about our condition or our situation because we were ungodly. That's the exact opposite of how we were created to be. We are created in the image of God to be like him. We are created to be God-like, to reflect his goodness, his truth, his beauty in this world. And when we rebelled against him as, the ra- as a race, we became the opposite of that. So apart from what Jesus has done for us, we are powerless and we are ungodly. But look at what he says. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, by Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, how much more shall we be saved from God's what? God's wrath through him. See, this is what we need to understand, that apart from what he has done for us, we are under God's wrath in this world. We think, that doesn't sound very good. It's not good. And we think, well, that doesn't sound very nice. Hey, this has nothing to do with being nice. It's because God is good and God has to deal with the wrong done in this world, which means he has to deal with people like you and me. And it's not as if he's some dysfunctional parent in the sky that gets upset when his kid spills the milk. God's wrath is warranted because we, have des- we deserve it because of the life we live. And the good news of great joy is that we're not under his wrath anymore. Because of Jesus, we have peace with God. So he says, verse 9, Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. You understand what this means? This is good news of great joy that our King has come for us and He has given us peace with God. This is why the angels bust out in song. This is why we can celebrate Christmas and have peace on earth because God has given it to us through His Son. This is what Christmas is all about. And if you don't get this, you miss the point of Christmas. And I want to make sure we understand what this announcement is so that we don't wake up in January and miss what this season is all about. But there's something else I want us to pay attention to. Not just what the announcement is, but who the announcement is for. Because go back to Luke. Go back to Luke chapter 2 and look at what the angel says when he makes this announcement. Luke 2 verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for who? All the people. Notice that this announcement, this good news of great joy is for everyone. It's for all of us. It's not just for those who think they're great. It's not just for those who think they're good. This good news of great joy is for everyone. It's for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And that is good news of great joy because he has come for us. And I love that God wants to drive this point home in this story. Because notice, to whom does he make this epic announcement? Who does he give it to? Shepherds in their fields at night. 
And again, I think this is one of those things that we can be so familiar with the story that we miss the significance of this point. Because to be a shepherd in the first century is not to be very high on the social stratum. In fact, in in Jewish society in the first century, to be a Jewish shepherd means that you're ostracized from your people and your community by the very nature of the job you have. Because as a shepherd, you are not allowed to participate in a lot of the religious ceremonies because by nature of what you do, you are ceremonially unclean. So you're already an outcast. And in the first century, if you were a shepherd, you were also cut off from other parts of society too. Your testimony in court of law is worthless because you're a shepherd. Shepherds were the outcasts. They were on the fringe of society. Have you ever felt like that? Hey, the good news is that he came for you. And Jesus has come for us. Our king has come for us. And what God wants to do is to make this point so clear by going to the shepherds to tell them this good news. He goes to the least and gives them the greatest message the world could ever hear. And now just imagine this with me. Just put put your imagination hat on with me for a second. And, And imagine now you're the angels preparing for this epic announcement. I mean, you've been preparing for this moment since the beginning of time when God began to unroll the plan up in heaven, right? And so you've been practicing and preparing. You're so excited because this is D-Day. The king has come. The king has landed on planet Earth, and he is taking it back. And so you're excited, this epic announcement. And so you're getting ready to go. They're like, okay, we're going to go and proclaim the announcement. So imagine you're one of the angels, and you're talking amongst yourself. Like, okay, who are we giving the announcement to? Maybe we're going to Caesar because he thinks he's God, and we're going to show him who the real God is. Are we going to Caesar? No, we're not going to Caesar. Okay, well, maybe we're going to Herod because he thinks he's great, and we're going to show him who the great one is. So we're going to Herod, right? Like, no, we're not going to Herod. Well, maybe we're going to the religious leaders, to the chief priests and all those religious hypocrites to show them what it's all about. That's who we're going to, right? No, not going to them. Well, who are we going to? We're going to some shepherds in the back 40. What? Like, that would make no sense. You're like, I've been practicing harp for millennia for this? Like, are you kidding me? And I, I, I think about the announcement when my first daughter was born. And when it was time to let people know that my daughter was born. And I, I remember that day. I remember that moment. And one, I remember my respect level for my wife just went off the charts. Because I saw what she went through and I said, God, thank you, I am man. And thank you for my wife, right? And when I knew everything was okay and she was no longer blaming me for what was happening... I remember stepping out and going outside and getting my phone out. And this was back when we actually used our phones to talk to people on them. Like, I didn't have the internet on my phone yet, so I couldn't Facebook blast the world. Like, hey, my daughter is born. So I remember getting, getting pushing actual buttons on my phone and calling people. And I remember calling my dad and calling my brother and calling my sister and calling a very short list of people, those who were most important to me. That's who I wanted to let know. You know who I didn't call? I didn't call my barista, Right? I didn't call shepherd. Yeah, I mean, I, like, to me, I called the people that I thought mattered most. And yet what I love is that God is so unlike me. That when it was time to announce the birth of his son, he went to the least. Because they mattered to him. And he said, hey, the king has come. And he has come for you. And imagine what that moment must have been like for those shepherds. Imagine if you're one of those shepherds out in the fields that night just going about doing life as normal. And suddenly, an angel shows up. And you're out there working the fields of night. And you're not just a shepherd, but you're actually working the night shift. <laughs> and you are literally counting sheep trying to stay awake. <laughs> it's not a very exciting job, right? 
And then suddenly, out of nowhere, this angel shows up, and you hit the ground because you think you're done. And then this angel says, hey, don't be afraid. I want to tell you about the game changer. I have good news of great joy. A Savior has come, and he is Christ the Lord. And when you can't think it can get any crazier than that, suddenly the sky erupts and the host of heaven shows up and they declare glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And then the window to heaven closes and you're standing there in the dark with your buddies and you're like, did you guys see that too? Was I the only one? Like, no, we saw it too. Okay, Okay, let's go check this out. Let's go see what this is about. And you go with your buddies and you head towards Bethlehem where they told you to look and you show up in the outskirts, in a stable, and you find this young family, and there is this baby lying in the manger, the one whom you've been told is the promised one, the ancient of days, and he has come for you. That changes your life. And you realize that this child is going to change your future forever. And God told you, because he wants you to know that this is for you. Men and women, don't miss the significance of this announcement. Not just what the announcement is, but who the announcement is for. Because the king has come, and he has come for you. And it is for all the people. And it's interesting to note that Luke records this in his gospel. And Luke is not a Jew. Luke is a Gentile. Which means that the coming Messiah is not just for the Jews, it's for all people. Because Luke experienced this good news of great joy in his own life, which is why he's telling the story. And that is good news for all of us today. And yet there's something significant to note about this good news of great joy. I don't want you to miss this. Look at what the angel says in Luke 2 verse 14. When the host of heaven erupts in this praise and worship in this time. Notice what they say. This is significant. Verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. And here's what you need to understand about this news, this epic announcement, this good news of great joy, that though it is for everyone, not everyone will experience it, because not everyone will receive it. It is good news of great joy on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. What that means is that there will be some who will choose not to experience the gift God has come to bring them. And they will not experience his favor, therefore they will not experience peace with him, and they will have no peace on earth. Don't miss that. Because if you miss that, you miss Christmas. And I don't know where you are today, but maybe for the first time you're beginning to understand that Christmas is so much more than presence under the tree. Maybe you're hearing this message and for the first time something is making sense to you. And and what I just want to tell you today is that, do you get it? Do you get what Christmas is about? And if so, do you want it? Because if you want peace on earth, if you want God's favor in your life, the offer is on the table today. The King has come and He has come for you. And if you want to receive that gift, all you have to do is accept it. And it's as simple as right now, even as I'm talking, just simply saying, Jesus, I want you. I want what you've come to give me. 
would you take my yuck? Would you take my messed up life? And would you do something new in me? Would you forgive me and give me new life? Would you give me this peace on earth, peace with God? Because I want that. I need that. If you want that today, just ask for it and he'll meet you. And it will be a game changer for your life too. And you will not leave here the same as when you came in because you will leave here experiencing God's favor on your life through a son. You will leave here experiencing his peace. If you want that today, it's yours for the taking. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, he says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Don't let this day pass you by. But if you hear and you call yourself Christian, if like me, you call yourself a follower of Jesus, I want to ask you if you get this as well. Do you get what Christmas means? Are you living your life as a follower of Jesus in the reality of Christmas every day of your life? Do you understand that as a follower of Jesus, you have been given peace with God here on earth, which means that you can live life following him with the hope of what he's doing in your life. And yet I think it's easy for us to miss out or forget this as followers of Jesus. Because how many of you are like me as a follower of Jesus and you still make mistakes in life? Yeah, a few of us, right? (laughs) And like me, do you experience this when you make mistakes, when you still hurt people, when you fail people, when you make bad choices, when you fall flat on your face? Do you feel like a failure and somehow how could God still love someone like me after what I've done? And the mistake that we can make as followers of Jesus in missing Christmas is that we forget who he is and what he's done for us. Because I think too often we think as followers of Jesus, hey, I call myself Christian now, that must mean I have to be perfect. That is not what being a Christian is all about. You're a Christian because you realize you're not perfect and you need serious help, so you're following the one who came to be perfect for you and leads you into life. That's why we're Christian. And so if you're not a Christian and you wonder why our Christians messed up, it's because we need Jesus, okay? And so if you're here today and you're wondering, can God still love me because of the mistakes I've made? Let me tell you, good news of great joy. You are not under his wrath. You are in his peace because of Jesus today. And so if you're here today and you're wondering, can God accept me? Can God bring me back? Absolutely. Because he sent his son for you. The king has come for you. And here in this place, what I want you to understand is that you have his peace in life. Live in the reality of Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. Is that our king has come for us. So glory to him. And may we experience his peace on earth as we live life seeking our best to follow him, trusting him with everything we've got. And may we be like those shepherds as we live life proclaiming the goodness of the one who's come for us and letting the people in this world know, hey, there is good news of great joy and it is for you. Amen? Amen. As we close our time together, we're going to go into this final song. And it's one of those songs that's, again, very familiar to us, I think, It's a song that we've probably sang many, many times around the Christmas season. And yet what I want to invite you to do today is to sing it with fresh eyes. Sing this song in a totally new way. To realize that this is not just a song we sing as a tradition of Christmas. This is a song that is a worship to the one who's come for us. And so would you stand and pray with me as we go into this time? Father, we want to come into your presence in this place, in this moment. We want to come before you and give you a gift by singing to you, to worship you through song. We want to give you our gifts and our offerings in this time to say thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. And would you use these to build this church and to advance your kingdom in this world. But God, in this moment, in this place, we want to declare to you 
our worship, our gratitude. We want to say thank you that you have come for us. Jesus, here in this place, we can have peace with God again because of what you have done for us. And so we want to say thank you. And we want with the angels to declare there is good news of great joy and it is for all of us in this place. Amen. Well, may God bless you this week and may you understand the words Merry Christmas in a whole new way as you leave this place. And may you be like the shepherds of old and proclaim to the world around us, hey, there is good news of great joy. Why don't you come and see what it's all about? So next weekend, we're having our Christmas services here at Rocky Peak, and this is another announcement you don't want to miss. <laughs> so we're doing things very different next weekend. So if you come next weekend, don't come to Saturday night or our Sunday morning services, because we won't be here. You can hang out with the other people on the patio, I guess, but we'll be doing something different those days. So on, on Sunday, we're having our Christmas services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., and then on Monday, we're having three at 2 p.m., 4 p.m., and 6 p.m. And one of the things that we're doing to help serve our guests well is trying to spread ourselves out evenly. And so we're asking that you would pick a service that you want to go to, get one of our free tickets, just so we can keep track of how many people are there. So the Sunday ones, those tickets are all gone already. Um, so please come on Monday. Come at 2, 4, 6 p.m. If you want to come early to one of the Sunday services and show up, and then we'll try to squeeze you in because we love you still. We'll try to make that happen. But if you want to get those tickets before you leave today inside this room because of the rain out there, on either sides on your way out, you can go and pick those tickets up. And then in the lobby, if you want to sign up for one of our life groups and, and in the coming year walk with other followers of Jesus to learn what it means to live Christmas the rest of the year, go find out what they're all about. We've got spaces. We'd love for you to join us. In the back of the room today, there'll be some men and women who'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to process life or have someone pray with you, or, or even if you've said, hey, I want to follow Jesus, I'd love to help you figure that out by praying over you in this place. But God bless you. Have a great week. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Well, that's going to do it for this week's message. We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have putting it together. Please visit us at rockypeak.org where you can download more messages or have your questions answered. Remember, you can subscribe to our weekly podcast for free by searching for The Church at Rocky Peak from within the music store in your iTunes software. For lead pastor Mike Yearly and everybody up here at The Peak, thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.